You getting jealous on me? You bet I'm jealous. There's nothing finer than falling in love. Yeah, well, I ain't falling in love. What do you call it? LWP. LWP? Lust with potential. Is this a bookie shooters? Yeah, cars reported stolen out of North Lauderdale yesterday morning. Some shell casings on the back seat, whiskey bottles, a couple of roaches, and comic books. You ever notice how uh, fetching Betty and Veronica looking miniskirts? Beyond sick. This was no organized hit. More likely a day at the circus for some joyriding punks. Real poets, too. Fast cars, flashy clothes, big money, heavy players, and the hot Miami scene. These were the main ingredients that made Miami Vice one of the most innovative shows of the 1980s. Journey with Tim and Mark as we take a peek into the drama series with an MTV feel on the Vice of Miami podcast. Welcome back, Vice fans, to the Vice of Miami podcast for show number 21. We hope you enjoyed the last episode of Vice of Miami covering home invaders. Sit back, relax, grab a beverage, and join Mark and Tim as we go over episode 20 of Miami Vice, season one, Nobody Lives Forever. This episode's written by Edward DiLorenzo, directed by Jim Johnston. The original air date is March 29th, 1985. And the summary for this episode is a passionate romance distracts Crockett to the point that it nearly derails the pursuit of three thugs on a rampage. And that music brings us to the guest stars and co-stars of this particular episode. First up, we have Martin Ferraro, who returns as Isidore Izzy Moreno. Next up, we have Peter Friedman as Morgan. Peter, born April 24, 1949, is an American actor born in New York City. He made his Broadway debut in 1972 in the play The Great God Brown, and he made his TV debut in 1975's The Rules of the Game. He then played the voices of various Muppets on The Muppet Show, before appearing in a number of early 1980s TV movies, including Rage of Angels, Hot House, and Guilty Until Proven Innocent, until he played a regular role in Brooklyn Bridge from 91 to 93, and his most recent TV appearance is in 2018's Succession. In movies, Friedman debuted in 1980's You Better Watch Out, followed by The Prince of the City, Daniel, Single White Female, which are among some of the titles. Friedman was married to actress Joan Allen from 1990 to 2002 when they divorced. They have one daughter named Sadie. Next up, we have Giancarlo Esposito as Ricky, born April 26, 1958. He's an American actor and director, but he was born in Copenhagen, Denmark. After living in Europe, Cleveland, and New York, the family moved to Manhattan when Esposito was six. At age eight, he played a slave child in the Broadway play Maggie Flynn alongside Shirley Jones. He later began a film career in 1979 in the movie Running, then made his TV debut 
in the TV movie, The Gentleman Bandit. Some highlights of his career include Taps, Trading Places, Maximum Overdrive, Malcolm X, Nash Bridges, Law and Order, Breaking Bad, and Better Call Saul. He is Gus Fring, the owner of Los Polios Hermanos and Drug Lord in those series. Esposito married Joy McManigal in 1995. They later divorced. They have two children together, plus he has two children from previous relationships. Good old Gus Fring. Next up, we have Frank Military as Ace. What a name. He made his acting debut in Miami Vice. Military branched out into writing and producing for the series NCIS, The Unit, Jericho, Three Rivers, and NCIS Los Angeles, of which he served as co-executive producer from 2010 to 2015 and sole executive producer until 2015. He also wrote the TV movies Buffalo Soldiers, Deacons for Defense, and Time Bomb. His limited acting appearances include the TV shows Star Trek's Deep Space Nine, Superboy, X-Files, CSI Crime Scene Investigation, and Windfall. Not much else could be found about military. And now we have Michael Carmine as Snake. Born March 6, 1959 in Brooklyn, New York, he graduated from the High School for the Performing Arts in 1975, then moved to the California Institute for the Arts. His first role was an extra in the 1977 movie Roller Coaster. His first film appearance was in an episode of Hill Street Blues in 1982. He then appeared on MASH, Crime Story, and his final TV appearance in 1988's Tour of Duty. He also starred on Broadway in Ronaldo Povid's Cuba and His Teddy Bear. His final film role was in Longtime Companion, released nearly a year after his death. Carmine died tragically of heart failure on October 14, 1989, at the age of 30. He has two brothers. Next up, we have Lionel Chute as punk number three. The only information we could find other than his Miami Vice appearance is that he appeared on a CBS school break special and tourist season in 1989. And our final guest star is Kim Greist as Brenda, born May 12, 1958. She's an American actress and made her TV debut in this episode. In real life, Kim is very feminine, saying, If a character they want me to play wears a good deal of lipstick, eyeshadow, and a dress, then they can count me in. She was born in Stamford, Connecticut. She was trained for the stage, but went to Europe for a short time to become a professional model. She returned to the United States and began her stage career in off-Broadway productions and in the New York Shakespearean Festival. Some of her other appearances include Throw Mama from the Train, Wise Guy, Why Me, Chicago Hope, and Judging Amy, which was her last credited role. And now we have a few co-stars. First, Guzmano Cesaretti as Pauly, Sherry Norowitz as the sketch artist, Nancy Jo Masitz as the beach blonde. Okay, let's cover the music playing in this episode. First up, we have Bad to the Bone by George Thorogood and the Destroyers. That's the opening sequence with the three punks on the rampage. New Love by Glenn Fry. That's when Crockett and Brenda are on his boat. Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs. That's when the punks were in the restaurant. And Heartbeat by Red Seven. That's when Crockett was on the boat thinking about Brenda and his job. 
And some of the Jan Hammer music that showed up in this episode was Teresa, early the early version, and that's when Crockett was in a pool with Brenda, and also when Crockett breaks up with Brenda. And now we're going to move on to our Goofs Fun Facts locations. And here, Mark, we have a funny quote, which was, your idea of fun is putting catnip in Elvis's kibble, and that was Tubbs or Crockett. Okay, location here, 3067 Jefferson Street in Coconut Grove. That is Brenda's house, or maybe we should say Brenda's mansion. I think it's huge. Brenda's mansion, yes. Good money for an architect. And then we have a goof. When the episode starts, we see the three punks in their stolen Plymouth convertible without a rearview mirror, but later at the beach, the mirror appears. Actually, Tim, I noticed that, and pretty much in TV shows that, and the the headrests of the drivers and passenger seats, uh, sometimes those are taken out. I'm guessing this is probably camera work or something like that, so they could see everybody. Yeah, I would say, but it it, it shows up and uh, shows up in the episode if yep. you really if you really break it down and watch it closely. Next up, we have a fun fact: Crockett is the recipient of the famous Castillo stare down his second for the season, for shirking his duty in favor of his romance. Another fun fact, this episode evidently marks the end of Crockett and Gina's romantic relationship. In fact, it is the first time the relationship has been brought up since the great McCarthy. And finally, another location, Tommy's Deck Bar, 627 Fifth Street in Miami Beach. That's where Crockett makes the phone call on the corner while Tubbs goes in to hang out where punks come out shooting. When you were there last year, was Tommy's Deck Bar still there? Um, I we didn't get over there. It was I kind of picked out some things to check out OCB, uh, Bayside Marketplace, things of that nature. Oh boy, I forget the restaurant on Cayocho. I'm forgetting the name, but I only had a couple to pick out, but uh, I didn't get to there. <laughs> And now let's go over the trivia portion of this episode. In the last episode covering Home Invaders, we asked, what was Crockett's graduation gift from retiring Detective John Malone? Well, it was a fishing rod. We'll have a picture of it on our Facebook post for this episode. And for this week's trivia question, it is in the final scene of this episode in which Zito is in the hot dog stand. What are the food offerings on the very top banner of that stand? You can post your answers on this episode's Facebook post, or you can email us at viceofmiamishow at gmail.com. Okay, listeners, before we start a discussion, just like last episode, Tim and I are going to ask of you, what do you like about the episodes, or specifically our podcast, and what don't you like? What would you like us to do differently, maybe? Um, We're wrapping up. We have two more episodes here of season one, and we like to evolve as we go. So if you could give us some advice, please do. We would greatly appreciate it. Post. uh, You could uh, reply on our Facebook posts. Or you could email us at viceofmiamishow at gmail.com. All right, starting out this episode, discussion of this episode, in the Miami area, we've got three 
thugs, Ace, Snake, and a unnamed third punk. I don't know why they didn't give him a name, but whatever. They're pretty much driving through town in a car with death, the ultimate high painted on the side. And they're doing what punks do, ramming other drivers off the road, pretty much just making asses of themselves. Yes, they started with that road rage, and then right. they brandished their weapon of choice, which was the shotgun. Right. So one guy gets pretty much run off the road. He goes into the goes into the drink, and then they make a stop on the beach, and they hit a hot dog stand. And that's, we're assuming that by the scene it plays out, it's a front for a bookmaking operation, and they kill a bookie stealing his money. And then we moved on. We move on to a scene where Crockett and Tubbs are in the spider, and Crockett is in the middle of a phone call while Tubbs begins reciting Crockett's entire social calendar while he waits for Brenda, his new flame, to answer the phone. He leaves a message, and then they check out the scene of the bookie shooting. The punks have since abandoned their car, and Switek states that they left behind, you know, whiskey bottles, roaches comic books, but Crockett and Tubbs seem to think that this is no organized hit. It's right, just right, by happenstance. Right, right away, they're, they're already clued in before they're even asked, as we'll find out from uh, Homicide, to assist them. But they're already clued in that something is more, something's a little bit bigger than kids just being punks. Right, but when you got death, the ultimate high painted mm-hmm. on the side of their their caddy, you know, you're, you're, there's it, something something not right here, something doesn't jive. It sticks out like a sore thumb kind yes, of. Yes, it does. So as we're moving along, you know, we're now at Brenda's place, Brenda being Crockett's new flame. Uh, Crockett and Brenda, they're having dinner, and they settle in for a night of passion and making small talk in the beds afterwards. Uh, she asks Crockett why he got divorced. He said pretty much that his checks and balances were not working well and that his job can definitely do a number on him. Why did Caroline and I get divorced? I guess my checks and balances weren't working too well. This job can really do a number on you sometimes. And you could see kind of by his facial expressions that this is probably the first time he was asked about this by someone, you know, he's caring about. Probably not even Gina, I'm guessing, didn't ask him this. No, because she lived up. through it. Right, she lived through it. She didn't really have to ask him, but but he came up with a pretty good answer. The checks and balances weren't working well. We move on and we find the punk stealing another Cadillac, and they're off and running again. Uh, then it switches to OCB, where Tubbs gets a list of all stolen vehicles to review, and this is from Gina. She brings it to him. Then Gina just starts pressing him about Crockett's romance with Brenda, Clearly, we see that Tubbs is he's trying to cover him from, you know, a little bit. He made up a story about Crockett being at the dentist. And, right, right. And that was good. She said, who, Gina said, who needs their teeth, who needs their teeth worked on, Brenda or, or Crockett, you know? And that was all before she really started pressing him. She doesn't buy what he's selling. Here's the rest of them. They must steal more cars in the city than they sell. Really think it was just a random hit? Positive. The shooters are just wheeling. No premeditation, not trying to cover tracks. It's just us trying to catch up with them. Who's your partner? I think he went to the dentist. Who's got the toothache? Crockett or Brenda? Look here, Toyotas, Datsuns, Hondas, even crooks are looking for good gas mileage. And then we find Zito enters and he hears from robbery that they found a Buick stone two blocks from where the GTX was ditched. 
and Tubbs goes to check it out. That was a uh, good out that Zero uh, gave Tubbs to get out of the Inquisition from Gina. Yes, exactly. Covered him. He probably, I wonder if he bought him a beer later. <laughs> <laughs> he might have. I don't know if he, that was planned that he came in there to do that. Probably or, not. Probably not. It was just by, by happenstance. So meanwhile, uh, Morgan, who owns the hot dog stand at the Punks, shot up there in the first heist. He's talking with his henchmen. He's put a price on the Punks heads. He wants them gone. He's kind of getting pissed off here. Uh, anyway, Crack and Tubbs go to Tommy's deck bar to track down the Punks from advice or uh, information they've gotten. But Crockett makes a detour to call Brenda on the phone right outside the club there. And while he's on the phone, the punks who are inside, they come out shooting and escape. Well, as you're watching here, the phone, he went to hang the phone up. It didn't hang up. It fell down. And then Brenda, on the line, she hears the shooting. Crockett, 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 you okay? She's panicking about Crockett. Um, he didn't even think to go back and check the phone out, I guess. You know what I mean? You still miss me? Of course I miss you. I told you that an hour ago. Yeah. Yes, I really miss you. Oh, perfect. Tell me again. All right, pay attention, Brenda. I really, really miss you. Well, we miss you too, baby. <laughs> Come on, knock it off, will you? Give a guy a break. I'm trying to get a date here. <laughs> I'll call you later. Now, here's something I want to ask you. Did they, were they just checking out Tommy's deck bar or did they know that these punks were going to be there? I think they were going just to get information, not necessarily yes, knowing because they were there. all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. And then right. as we move to the next scene, they're at OCB there we go. and you got Crockett and Tubbs giving a description of the punks to the sketch artist, at least, especially one of them, a very good likeness. And then when they were sitting in a, like probably basically a debriefing meeting, you got Castillo asking, why weren't you inside? You know, why wasn't he inside with Tubbs? Crockett said, back well, to, that, I was on the phone. Yeah, Castillo was back to being Castillo. No more, yes, he, yes, no more on the beat with him when Tubbs was in his absence. Castillo get, tells him that a punks robbed the convenience store, killed the clerk, and he wants Crockett and Tubbs to monitor Morgan's wagon operation at the request of the homicide division. And he says, he, I'm pulling you off the Lombard surveillance. Give this investigation their full attention. Why weren't you inside? Uh, he was covering the back door. I was making a phone call. Homicide thinks these kids may have been involved in a speed mart robbery early this morning. The night clerk was killed trying to stop him. Homicide wants us to keep our eye on Morgan's lunch wagon operation. So I'm taking you off of the Lombard surveillance so you can give it your full attention. So after the OCB meeting, uh, we head off to Brenda's pool here. Crockett expresses his concern about screwing up, kind of letting Tubbs go into the club by himself. But he's keeping his mind on Brenda uh, while they relax in her pool. But you could tell he's you could tell he's formulating in his head that something isn't right as far as relationship wise because it's obviously affecting his work. Crockett definitely is bugged by this, but Brenda responds pretty much and says that he's only human, which is true, but this isn't the Crockett we know. He doesn't, right. he doesn't, he, he's focused or he's not focused. It's one or the other. 
Uh, she asks him if he's pretty much okay with this, and he says he does not know. And then we go back to OCB. This is where Gina is very upset about Crockett seeing Brenda. It's the, the scene started. She wanted to take him. How about we go to dinner at Romanda's? She was there, and mm-hmm. it was like, I don't know if it was a maitre d' or right. owner. Right, maitre d' or waiter. His name was Nick. How is Nick doing? How is, I think he called him Slick Nick. How right. is he doing? She said, you know, how about if we go there or we could cook dinner in? And I think she's thinking, you know, it would lead to rekindling their romance. Mm-hmm. And then when he declined the invite, she basically tells him, stay out of my life. You know, I don't want you to keep me around just as a pit stop until something better comes along. Right. But you know what? I kind of thought, you know, the way she's flirting doesn't help. You know, you know, the, the writing's on the wall. He's got this new love interest. She's flirting with him, and then you want him out of your life. Right. Make up then, your mind. And then we're back at Brenda's pool again. Crockett's spending a lot of time there versus this Is he clocking out when he goes there? Is he clocking out, or is he still on the clock? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's a good question, but huh, I'm thinking he might have. He might, might, still time. Be, might be still on the clock, right? So you have Brenda and Crockett discussing his job, and especially she wanted to know about his professional relationship with, with Tubbs, especially like when it's, when it's off the job, how is that? And he says, you know, she's, she asked him, what's it like? And he says, you know what? I can't even remember the last time when I was ever off the job. So now we're at street side and then Brenda's boat again. And this chick has some money. No wonder Crockett likes her. But anyway, we're at the street side here while Izzy is hawking some Italian leather shoes to some passersby. Uh, he says, worn by Richard Gere in, in a quote, American gigolo. Uh, so anyway, Crockett and Tubbs meet up with him, pull him into an alley, and they ask him to let them know if he sees the punks. And Izzy already knows about them. Even if Izzy did not want to do this legwork, he wasn't given a choice by Crockett and Tubbs. I don't think he ever really has a choice, do you? No, he doesn't because... He's in too deep that I remember at the when it was uh, the made for each other episode when he got busted by Zito and Switek yeah. trying to hit knock off a pet store. Right, you know these right. are these things that they hold on to, and he's pretty much beholden to them because of that. Right. Uh, so anyway, I noticed after coming out of the alley here before they're getting in the car, if you look in the background, this is kind of another fun. Neat fact thing, uh, as they're getting in the car after the alley, in the background, you could see the crowd of onlookers to the filming process. So as, they're, as they cut Izzy loose, Crockett just thinks that the investigation is going nowhere and he wants to turn back to homicide. But, you know, Tubbs, and you remember Tubbs did a couple dance on, I'm in love, I'm in love, you know. But now he's he's like saying, hey, dude, why don't you take a couple days off, clear your head because I don't want my butt blown off because... You know, he's not putting, giving his full attention to... Right, his mind is elsewhere. Crockett's mind is elsewhere. So he takes his advice and he has a boat ride with Brenda where they talk about his life as a vice cop, his relation with Gina. And Brenda voiced that she didn't think it was a good thing for him to keep suppressing his fears. And that was that whole discussion where, you know, aren't you ever afraid? And he says, who who says I'm not afraid? And Mm -hmm. how, you know, she just saw that, does this bring our... And he says, "I'd, I'd say most of us, have some fears about this job. She says, does that bring you closer? And that's when she really started pressing about Gina. You know, do you, are you close to her? You know, are you, are you, does that include, you know, having sex with her? And then he admitted yes. And then, you know, she basically said, you know, I'm looking for the beginning stages of falling in love. 
and not being on the end stage of a hot and heavy romance. Simple as that. Simple as that. Or go back to Gina. So anyway, we go forward here to a, a little diner restaurant. Um, Izzy's walking around and he spots the punks in a restaurant while Izzy here is still trying to hawk his shoes. So anyway, they dump some relish on his shoes and then he kind of gets in her face, but he pulls a shotgun on him and he says, Hey, I'm gone. Don't tell me again. So he sits down nervously, asks for his usual and, and the waiters or the waitress or whoever is kind of looking at him like what? Uh, So anyway, he just asked for a phone. Uh, He calls Morgan who sends over two thugs, but uh, punks here are unfazed by their threats, killing Morgan's med and shooting up the restaurant. And one of the shots causes a ketchup bottle to explode all over Izzy's face and his shirt. And I think that he, that Izzy thinks that he's shot here. Like, oh my God, I just got shot. Oh yeah, he did. So anyway, the cops come up, Crockett and Tubbs uh, show up as well. And they seem pretty much peeved that Izzy called Morgan instead of them. But Izzy needs some dental work, so he jumped at the chance when Mor- uh, Morgan offered him a thousand bucks. Hey, take it, right? Uh, he says he did them a favor, as these punks aren't afraid of anyone, which obviously they're not, right? No, they're not. They they seem to be dusted. I don't think they ever. I don't think they ever really showed that they had any drug use. But these guys were. Oh, they, they were just look. way, way out there. Either it was, either it was, you know, they're on drugs or. It's just that adrenaline rush. Yeah, uh, probably drugs. Or a little bit of both, that's for yeah, sure. Exactly. Lance says that both of them belong to Morgan. They don't belong to anybody now. Time's running out on these kids. Moreno. You pasa. You put in that call to Morgan, didn't you? Hey, you made me an offer I couldn't abuse. $1,000. I got dental work. Go away, Moreno. Smell like a French fry. Hey, I did you guys a favor, man. You should be kissing my zapatos. Could be you lying in there. Hey, those guys aren't afraid of you. They're not afraid of Morgan. They're not afraid of anybody. So now we come on to the next morning where Tubbs stops by Brenda's place to have breakfast and to pick up uh, Crockett because they had to go see Izzy about the punks, get a little bit more information from him about him. And when Crockett is getting dressed, Tubbs is sitting down at breakfast, just having a conversation with Brennan. He he wants to know what what gives you guys. You're not even you're from two different worlds. You're really out of his league. Their the social statuses are completely different. She's too good for him. And Brenda gets annoyed, but what she feels is his condescending concern and has clearly, you know, she's listening to that. I don't think she liked him being a buttonski on it, but, but I think one of one of the things was she said, Are you gonna let Sonny come back to work? Yeah. And that 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 ticked her off. Yeah, but bit. he was being brutally honest, though. Oh yes, he was. He's def- yes, she's definitely he not was. in his league. You gonna let Sonny come back to work now? I didn't realize he needed my permission. You know, Brenda, when I look around this house with everything in it, it's wall to wall style. The view, gorgeous garden, it's like a fantasy. I ask myself, what is a street cop like Sonny Crockett doing in a fantasy? This is no fantasy. This is my life. What about Crockett's life? Can you imagine a bunch of tired cops and their wives out on your veranda? How many department softball games and barbecues are you going to attend? Let me see if I have this straight. Sonny's a middle-class dolt. I'm a tasteful but shallow jet-setter. And you're God? 
So next scene is we have Izzy uh, walking up gingerly in his new clogs that he was trying to get rid of. Kind of goofy walking, whatever. But he meets and tells Crockett and Tubbs that the punks are going to hit more of Morgan's hot dog wagons and they can't be stopped. I'm just wondering what's with them and Morgan. I guess it's probably easy uh, easy hits for them. But it's, anyway. For them, it was easy hits. If you remember that opening scene when they, they did that that hit, they were they were scoping out chicks and then they all of a sudden they... They focused in and they saw that under the table deal going on. Right. And it was just easy money for them. I don't think they knew who Morgan was. You know, that hit really wasn't going on at the hot dog stand. It was at a table by the hot dog stand. Correct. They put two two together. They probably got their ear. They put their ear to the ground. Right. And they they found out that this guy's actually using these hot dog stands or these. Probably. Which would now be called food trucks. Right. I think that's what it, it is. I don't. I don't believe they knew who Morgan was. They just exactly. He was just the he was just the owner of all these things that they were hitting. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Crack and Tubbs they had the Morgan's uh, storage places for these hot dog stands to do surveillance, and they're trying to uh, they're trying to stay out of security sight line. One of Morgan's goons walks over to buy a newspaper out of a newspaper box and sculpts them out. Uh, Tubbs says they've been made. So anyways, the wagons leave and the return without incidents and Crack and Tubbs plan to resume surveillance at 6 a.m. the next morning. So now we're back to Brenda's place again. 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 Crockett's there for dinner and afterwards she she begins asking how he envisions their future life together. She's like, let's play a game. You know, she wants to know about the relationship. What who are our friends? Where's you know, how what kind of house are we gonna live in? How many kids are we gonna have? You know, we're going to go to Paris, and that's where he said, you know, maybe when I retire type of thing. And then he, Crockett starts having concerns about the relationship, thinking Brennan wants her life to consume his own. And he goes to bed with the intention of waking up early. However, he does not. So he's late for that 6 a.m. surveillance, and there you got Tubbs alone in the car outside, Morgan's, and he's caught off guard, and he's roughed up and thumped by Morgan's security. Crockett ends up waking up. 90 minutes late, and he gets pissed at mm-hmm. Brenda for not, why, why don't you wake me up? up? And whatever, you know, she just went on and on. And he's rushing out the door to find Tubbs standing there, bleeding, bruised, and bitterly disappointed. I wouldn't say disappointed. I would say pissed. Yeah, there's more pissed. <laughs> he, he was Maybe not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think pissed at Crockett because I think Tubbs is smart enough to know that Brenda's trying to uh, rein him in. So he's probably pissed at Brenda more than Crockett. Right. And I think even though Crockett was his I think Brenda's thing is, hey, I got a lot of money. You mm-hmm. won't need to work type of thing. I think that's why she was really pushing that let's play a game thing and future uh life together. Right. So here we go at OCB, and this is where we get the Castillo stare. At OCB, the Vice Squad, they're planning to shut down Morgan's operation in retaliation and use it as uh and use the truck there to bait the punks. Um, they're going to take over, cover it, and, and get these get, get these punks. These punks obviously are not afraid of anyone or anything, so it's best if Vice did take it over. Castillo tells Tubbs to work out the details with Zito, Switek, Gina, and Trudy, and Crockett is given afternoon paperwork by Castillo. And then obviously you could see as soon as he says, uh, Tubbs, get with Zito and Switek, you could see Crockett look at him like, what? He's obviously, uh, Castillo here is upset by Crockett's failure to aid his partner and the recent shirking of his job. And then here we get the Castillo blank stare where he pretty much just looks down, not at anybody. 
Mm-hmm. And then at the end, he looks up and just gazes at Crockett. Homicide wants us to step up the surveillance on Morgan. Homicide is wrong. They're probably halfway to California by now. You're missing the point. Those punks are not running from anybody. Let's hear it. Morgan just beat up a cop. We can write our own ticket. We shut him down for a couple of days and use one of his trucks to bait the trap. Set it up. We'll start this afternoon. Tubbs, you work it out with Switek and Zito. Crockett, I have some paperwork for you this afternoon. You know, he's he's he ticked at Crockett because he he probably thought, you know, when I questioned you the first time about why weren't you inside Tommy's deck bar, that should have been enough for Crockett to say, hey, you know what, I need to wake up here. Not sure he probably did his, his afternoon paperwork, and then he heads out on his cigarette boat to sort things out in his mind, and there's all this big montage of his relationship with uh, Brenda, everything they've been going through, hanging out at the pool, and then the montage ends with Tubbs standing at her door, beaten up. He wants to sort, he decides that he wants to slow things down with Brenda, and I think it, it, it's much to her relief. You know, he told her that he can't afford to live in fantasies anymore. And it says, let's live reality, step back and figure out how the rest of our lives will fit into this relationship, meaning they're separate jobs, separate everything. And I believe he gives her the key back to her place. He knows it's best to split more or less, right? You're a very special person and you mean a great deal to me. I think we have to slow things down. I think you're right. Could have pretended to be a little disappointed. I was never disappointed. Neither was I. So moving along, um, we have the punks. I don't know if they're in a hotel room or apartment or something like that. But some Miami flop house. Some Miami flop house, right? Uh, they're freaking out. They're probably strung out on drugs or whatever, or maybe Red Bulls or monsters. Oh wait, they didn't have the back end. But anyway, they need. They realize they need more money to continue the rampage. So they decide to hit another wagon. This is the one that uh, the Vice Squad just so happens to be manning. So Ace goes to Tubbs, uh, who's pretty much holding the bag and playing the sax, and pulls a gun and demands money. Tubbs shoots him down right away, and this is where I find it very uncharacteristic in any Vice Cop. Um, as Crockett and Tubbs, they really, I don't think they've ever shot unless fired upon. Uh, they just don't blast away willy-nilly. Do you remember However, them somebody all? pulls a gun on him? Yeah. I, the ace just pulled the gun. He didn't shoot him or anything. Didn't have it as had his head. In the past, they wouldn't just, boom, blow him away. Whatever is what it is, right? They're, uh, on, so loan, anyway, they're on loan to homicide. Right, exactly. Let let homicide do the paperwork. So anyway, Zito shoot um, Crockett. Not Crockett. Tubbs shoots this guy down. Uh, Zito shoots and kills Snake, who was, who was coming up to get Tubbs. And then a third guy takes off, the unnamed guy, takes off in the stolen car after Tubbs. So he's, Tubbs is through the park there along the beach, and his car is just driving through all the trees and all that. Crockett finally comes to the rescue. He shows up to work, uh, and he shoots the third one down before he can run Tubbs over. Let's take him quick, man. You stay here and you cover me, man, all right? Give me the bag. Come on, move it. Give me the bag, man. Easy. Artie's over. 
forever, kid. Nobody lives forever. And as Crockett and Tubbs look at the last of the dead punks, Crockett asks Tubbs if he wants to go fishing. And then Tubbs says, I'd rather go trolling. Okay, time to go over the ratings. IMDB gives this episode a 7.6. Eesh. Not that great. Um, I give this, though, a thumbs up. Tubbs comes back, and it's like he was never gone by getting right back into the swing of things, taking over for Castillo, who was acting as beat cop, I guess you could say. Uh, although the criminal element plot was kind of subpar in vice crimes per se, it once again shows vice stepping up to the plate, helping out another division within the department, this being homicide. Even though we really didn't see any homicide cops or them talking on the phone or anything like that. The love interest in Brenda was just bland, but I guess you could say it's doable in showing um, that there's more in Crockett's love life than Gina. But it was very evident that she was way, way, way out of his league for sure. And then Castillo's back into his leadership role, I guess you could say, with the stare. You know, Mark, I also give this episode a thumbs up once again. Vice is on loan to another division, Homicide in this case, just as they were in the last episode to the robbery division. It was really basic surveillance, use of informants, and tracking down punks who were not trying to hide their crimes. Crockett's relationship with Brendan really showed how difficult it is for Vice cops to remain focused on a job. You know, just maintaining, it's hard to maintain that personal, professional relationship. We saw that in a recent episode with... uh, Guess it was made for each other with Zito and Switek when Switek was dating his uh, former love interest and how that it just doesn't mesh with the undercover life of a vice cop. Clearly, Sonny was distracted by the new love and it got Tubbs in a couple of jackpots. First one at Tommy's deck bar and then his thumping by Morgan's guy. The highlight for me of this episode was the Castillo silence and stared on with Crockett. Some things were better left unsaid. Why be a Castillo if you don't act like a Castillo? Castillo. (laughs) Yep, there you go. Now we have come to the part of the show where we hope to inspire or enlighten. This is, we call it, Snurd's Chalkboard of Wisdom. In both the world of Miami Vice and our current world at large, we encounter many challenges we work to overcome. In the interest of creating a family-friendly atmosphere, through the show and on our social media, we would like to offer some parting thoughts. A simple quote, phrase, or words of encouragement, or funny quip to you, our listeners. Because without you, our friends, we'd just be talking ourselves. And we say friends because that's what we consider all of you who follow our show and social media. This show's words of wisdom are, whatever you do, always give 100%, unless you're donating blood. Exactly. And with that, we'd like to bring this episode of Vice of Miami podcast to a close. Tim and I appreciate each and every one of you listening, especially the following people who have liked, commented, or shared our posts. Apologies if we missed anybody. On Facebook, we have Dan Doer. Once again, Dan, thanks for the comment. Keep them coming, please. Sam Hamilton, Kelly Rogers, Ruth Clark, Rich Foster, Flips, Dirk Langer, and Johnny Pacos. And on Instagram, we have Callie Racer 100, Illinois Home Inspector, Ilya Holstrom, The Vice Effect, Perry Green 01, Mitzi 1979, Miami Vice Art, and Menno 112. We hope you enjoy what we have to offer on our shows. Please spread the word about us and comment and rate us on your podcast platforms. We'll see you next time for Vice of Miami show number 22, 
covering episode 21 of Miami Vice season one, Evan. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Vice of Miami Podcast or email us at viceofmiamishow at gmail.com. Please rate us and comment on the episodes and spread the word about the show. On YouTube, press the like button and hit the subscribe bell. Thank you.